and welcome to another fine edition of Chopped Greens. I am your host, Philip Amarine, joined by, virtually, of course, virtually, of course, by the one, the only, the very sensual and sexy, Gary Boucher. Welcome to the show, Dude, Gary. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you for playing up my my natural animal magnetism. Abs- you know, uh, the, figured out my formula. The more hair you grow, the higher the sensuality goes. Yeah, for all you fellas out absolutely. there. Absolutely. And I like to keep it short. Anyways, well, this week, <laughs> now that I have your full and undivided attention and it is nice and quiet, we're going to be talking about another quiet place. A quiet place, too. Hey. Nice. There we go. Uh, of course, directed and partly written by John Krasinski, starring Emily Blunt, Millicent Simmons, Cillian Murphy. Cillian or Killian Murphy? I've always said Cillian, but I don't know. Okay, I'm going to go with Cillian until somebody tells Cillian, me yeah. in life. Yeah. Uh, Cillian Murphy. Uh, uh, John Krasinski makes a triumphant mm. return. Uh, Noah Jupe. Of course, Jamon Hunsu, who always, always is criminally underutilized. I will bring that point up again later, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, one of the greatest 25-second uh, cameos ever. Yeah. God, yes. Very good. Very good. And there we have it. That is the, the, the majority of the cast is necessary. Yeah. As as it should be, you know, it, it, they didn't go beyond like a core of pretty much four people again, which was cool. Which was very good. Uh, so it's very hard on where to place this film because obviously it's a sequel. A Quiet Place 2 makes a lot of sense. But if we look at the film as itself, I think that that's going to be intriguing to judge it as because I think it's a an absolutely stellar, phenomenal sequel that really stands up to the test of time, uh, akin to many other great sequels. The problem I would have with it, and this honestly is like my lone nitpick, I don't know if it stands as a very good standalone film. Like, The Godfather 2 is probably the best sequel of all time, and part of what makes it so darn good is that you didn't need to watch the first one in order to fully understand, get engrossed, and fully enjoy A Godfather 2. It stands by itself. It's a it's a standalone film that just so happens to, to continue the story. Not, not the case with A Quiet Place 2, I felt, um, but it it doesn't take away from just how tremendous, how absolutely tremendous a film it is. Definitely worth the wait. And one of the few times that advertisement isn't overblown in stating that this is a film that theaters were designed and meant for. Yeah, there's that guy with a deep voice. This is the experience that theaters were made for. Yeah, I, yeah. I think that um, I, I think part of what you're saying, at least to me, is because of it picks up right where the first one leaves off. Where a lot of sequels, you might introduce uh, maybe a newer new world, um, more characters, or there's like a little bit of space. It's like a five years later type thing. But this one really, it's they're both kind of like one movie. They hit really similar beats. Um, the actors, even though they're kids and they've aged, look exactly the same. So it's just boom, boom for me. Yeah, uh, you're you're absolutely right. It picks up immediately. And again, I'm I'm trying to find faults in this, so I'm going to really harp on this point, even though I didn't find it that yeah. that much of a of a of a sin, a movie sin, as it were. 
but since it takes place immediately right after there and because of the nature of the film where it needs to be quiet while hmm. overall i find that to be a boon to the film uh, a very good element towards the film and storytelling it does offer itself a bit of a disservice when other films can quite easily give you contextual clues as a viewer, as a watcher, as an audience member on how and where we are in the story overall, as well as within the film. So in other films, mm. you could very easily say, man, dad died uh, where we, our house blew up because of, of the events of the last film. We need to find shelter, yada, yada, yada. Give a full on backtake of, of where did these things come from? And I feel like they do a fair good job of representing that without overly bashing your head in with it. But at the same time, I still feel like a part of you would be lost had you just watched this film by itself. And it would have been easier. And because you aren't allowed to talk, you weren't given a lot of that context. I think you can make your way to muddy about to be to get to where you can just forgive it and not have it. But as it stands... Uh, having the ability to not talk really lost a lot of the context historically within the film outside of what was given to you in the, shall we say, prelude? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. Like, I was thinking about that as I was watching the movie. Like, wow, okay, how many people in this theater... I have no idea what's going on. I, I would assume a really, really small amount. But some people want to say, oh, well, you know, don't don't treat the audience like they're stupid. You know, don't give them clues. But I think there's a difference between treating them like they're stupid, like um, with maybe other plot points or things about characters. But then it's actually like you might not know what the hell is going on, though. Interestingly enough, they did have the um, prequel scene, which we should totally go into. But I, I thought it was really, really good, by the way. And and I, I suppose th that would be enough to know, OK, so this was the dad and then he died. And, and here we are. I, I mean, I can't emphasize the fact that it takes place like two seconds after the last movie ends. I mean, they're just walking out of the house. Um, and so it's just one long movie. I, I was actually lucky that the night before I went to go see this, I had watched the first one at home, which which really helped. Yeah, I, I immediately within watching this film regretted not going to watch the film before the film before and yeah. to get myself prepped for this film because it. It so conjointly goes with the other film and it really feels like an an authentic continuation of the story that you feel almost a disservice to not go and have watched the first one. Now, granted, let's get into that that pre prelude. I think it does accomplish a lot of what it sets out to be midway through the film. I, I will admit, I think it's almost too good to where. I wanted more of that. I wanted to see more of how they got there. I, I think that, that was a, uh, a a disservice yeah. or or a note or a sin that I had against the first film, where I kind of didn't want to see them fully engulfed in this in this area. I kind of wanted to see them get to that point. Uh, just just selfishly, it's not like it. It's it's a full on uh, detriment to the film that I think you don't necessarily have that. I just think it would be a great addition. And I selfishly want that because of how good and consistently good the film and films now have been. I just wanted more of that. <laughs> and plus I wanted more John Krasinski, honestly. And again, it's, it's a, it's a great film. It's a great prelude. And I think it completely sets the tone. If not burns you with burdens you with questions of, 
man, how did they get to that point to where they were to now, where are they going to go? It, it was a perfect marriage yeah. of all three of those time zones, if not a little mm, misguided for those who who possibly hadn't seen the first one. It also sets the tone, I think, in the fact that I consider this second movie and essentially three quarters of the first one an action movie or like a thriller. They're not really horror movies. Yeah, they're not they're really kind of marketed as such. But yeah, yeah, they're not really uh, outside of a few moments here and there. There was like one crow fly across the the thing where i was like yeah it's a bit of a jump scare they give us some jump scares and then there's a great scene in the first one where she's giving birth in the tub whatever um that was the second one iconic i don't i'd almost argue that that is that will stand the test of time If, if emily blunt has an acting reel that will be that was a tremendous performance yeah, I, yeah, you could make an argument for a nomination just for that scene, man. It was so good. But and, and this one, yeah, it starts off loud. And this movie in general is a lot more loud than yes. the first one. There's a yes. lot more talking. Like characters, there's probably three times as much dialogue in this one. And it feels um, natural. That's one. a natural evolution. It, no, it, it does. And and, and it, it's doing that because it's what a sequel should do. So it opens up the the tone and the pacing of the movie and the amount of action that's in the movie because it's, it's like some apocalyptic disaster movie for the first 20 minutes. Um, and then we cut to, but but really, um, it makes it feel a lot faster. Because I noticed in watching the first movie, I mean, and this isn't even a, a bad thing, but you know, the first forty five minutes are like incredibly slow because yep. it's setting up for another forty five minutes of sprinting. This one is is not like that. I didn't feel like at all. The pacing was like twice as fast. Yeah, there was no time to catch your breath. <laughs> ironically. Yeah. And I talk about John Krasinski. I mean, we didn't see him, um, you know, acting that much, but he um, and his direction was awesome. I mean, really, I think that they they really honed in on on the human and the character moments, which in these types of movies really make the difference because a lot of people can, you know, show good action. And honestly, the monsters in these movies, I don't even think are, are that great. But nah. um, the the character moments are fantastic. I mean, we can get in, into the technical stuff in a little bit, but some of the cinematography was great, you know, just stuff like that. You can see him growing a little bit more and he's probably he's you know probably just going to keep directing, I assume, from now on. Yeah, I think another one of my small faults is that the Predators, whatever they are, I don't even know. I haven't looked to see if they even have a name. They are very forgettable monsters, like truly. I got into a big argument with my girlfriend about this. She was like, oh, I think they're really... I was like, no, I mean, they're... The concept of you can't speak is what's scary, but these monsters are pretty lame, I think. Well, they're pretty lame. They're pretty forgettable. The, The biggest thing that you remember is just that they can't, that they hunt via sound. So that's... That's that's the defining factor. That's what you really need to know. But the fact that they yeah. are so over excessively predatorial to where they yeah. kill for excess that they kill on mass. Like I maybe I'm maybe I'm too much of a, of a log- logical person where I need something more. And, and that could be a fault of my own. No, man, I, I, I was thinking that same thing. Have, yeah, I would have liked to have seen them eat a person. One person, yeah. like I just need to see them eat and not just kill, just for the sake of. You killing. are echoing me in the car on the way home. I was like, honestly, they just run around and, and like whack people. I was saying, I was like, I know it's PG thirteen, but you can at least imply that they're eating us or harvesting us, or maybe show like a little skewer something. 
I, I, I totally agree, man. Like it's, they're really just clicky sound monsters who hit you. Are impenetrable. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. impenetrable except for their weak spot, which makes sense. And I, I liked it in the first film. Now that we get almost a bigger look into them, a much, a lot more encounters with them. We were taking ourselves yeah. away from Jaws one, as it were, and going into Jaws two, three, four, and we're getting more familiar with the enemy. It really, it really does show the the true form of the great and powerful Oz, where maybe they went to the well too many times because especially in the beginning where where everybody was dying left, right, and center. First of all, I thought it was a bit too aware to to go quiet on them and to just fully be that omnipresent to where you automatically could connect to that sound is what drew them in a bit much but uh, okay but on top of it again just great big old whackers they're just going around whacking people to death and not really like maybe piercing people but again not not like i don't know It, it never rang true to me to where i was i was truly terrified of them beyond just them being big hulking bodies that just seemed to be more tasmanian devil than yeah predator or even alien sometimes in in a sequel like this you might expect kind of the the big you know goal of the plot to be figuring out you know how to kill these guys like fully or you know we did get a little bit more look into where they came from i guess they're aliens which that's kind of cool but otherwise um, i think we could all assume that that's what they were yeah 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 i mean the final beat of the movie it's so funny it's the same exact thing as the first movie she realizes that she has to put the hearing aid on the microphone and then they shoot it in the face and it's it's literally the same um the same ending as the as the first movie which um that actually sort of bugged me. Um, I I could have used maybe one more scene of showing, you know, their future that they're getting into or what the next steps are, because not that I mind that a movie in general would do that and cut us off at the end. But the first one already did that. The first one is like we shoot the monster, she smiles and then it's over. And the second one, pretty much the same thing. And so I think that if you're going to make a sequel, you, you got to expand it a, Here, a little bit more. Here's my my one reply or response to that, Gary, is that there was a pretty heavy theme that she was much more the hero than anybody would mm-hmm. give her credit for. And yeah. in that mold, she was she was supposed to be the 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 replica the 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 uh, when you say she do you mean emily blunt yeah, or the daughter the daughter i'm sorry reagan abbott is supposed to okay. be yeah, yeah, yeah. the the reemergence of lee abbott john krasinski's character that was in the first film where she is willing to sacrifice any and everything for the for the better cause and for the right cause really mm-hmm. uh, even if it comes at the expense of her own health and wellness even if it's in insurmountable odds, she will do so. So I thought it somewhat appropriate that, yes, yes, it was that she figured that out and then got a shot in. But that was much more avengeful, if I may say that. I, I found that to be much more avengeful in the first one. Yeah. Whereas in the second one, it felt it felt it did feel different to me. That's where I'm going to poke back at you with a <laughs> with a blunt pipe that somehow pierces you <laughs> to your very soul if you don't get the yeah, and, the idea. And, and she didn't she didn't she didn't thrust it. She hit him 
Like a, it was a baseball a, bat, yeah, but she it, had was a a, flush. it was a circular pipe. It, it didn't, yeah. that part did not I, make sense. I didn't sense. get that. <laughs> I'm glad we were on the same. Once again, the rules of the monster are, are a little bit flimsy. Yeah, I'm glad we both we both caught that. So uh, that's going to be my only response to that. I can understand where you're you're upset with the Death Star getting destroyed twice in a row, three times in a row. <laughs> yeah, but um, we knew that they were never going to close it off. I or at least I did. I, I didn't think that I, I wouldn't be surprised if they now go to a quiet world three or something and then it, it goes to a satellite that needs to go across the world and then they finally destroy everybody until we yeah. get to I, I was gonna ask like what's the most natural progression into a threequel is it gonna be like because threequel. i wanted some i, I wanted some in, in indication right of hey we're gonna go off the island and yeah do the satellite or uh, whatever gary yeah. my naive little friend we're gonna be going to uh <laughs> quiet man's chest we're gonna go right. to four where where we take the fight to those suckers we go to she's gonna be an astronaut leading the charge for humanity once we've regained earth she's gonna be sent to the alien planet and use that device still her little headpiece the only one in existence and she's going to send the fight to them at their own planet. That's what's going <laughs> to oh, happen. Dude, okay, let's let's talk about that. I mean, what do you really think the the franchise potential is? Cuz let's compare it to like um, Alien maybe. You know, they ended up sparking a whole thing out of that when that first movie could have been just a standalone movie and the same thing happened with the second one where it went more from horror to action, but they really expanded the world in that second one and since it's sci-fi, they have a little bit more flexibility. I mean, we're we're here, we're stuck on Earth with like a linear timeline. I mean, what would the natural progression be into uh, you know, more movies? Oh, the easy natural progression, Gary here is that you you've explored one aspect of the of the Armageddon. You just go somewhere else, Gary. You go to you go to Hawaii where you're only dealing with three of these monsters because they landed there, but they're stuck there. Once you do that, then you can build a society afterwards and you feel like mm-hmm. the pain, you feel like it's over for you. Uh, because they, <clears throat> because that was a nice little addition. They can't swim. That was kind of cool. Uh, but that's how you deal with it and you start from day 2. You start from the knowledge and how do you build a society in the midst of that while never coming up with a solution yourself. That's so easy. Like I, I, I find that to be where I don't believe I feel I feel rather strongly that this is the last outing for this particular grouping, whether it be John Krasinski in any role that's not going to be director, whether it be Emily Blunt as the lead actress. Maybe she comes back in a in a Terminator Five you know they situation. Do. Yeah, you take the deaf girl and you have Jennifer Lawrence play her like her in like 20 years and then you do exactly what you said. Yeah, sure. that's I, I suppose you do that. Or sure. yeah, you you do the let's we're building a society. So it's even less. Um, it's it's yeah, a completely you, different type yeah, of you movie. Go down to, yeah, you go down to Georgia and you see how they fought it in day two. You can go to different places and, and, it, and since you're having to be quiet and that communication is seen as something of a commodity that it would, it would make sense why nobody could communicate out anyways. But before we get beyond where we were in this film, yeah. uh, I do want to say a couple more things. Um, I thought I, I, even though as stupid as the blunt pipe piercing through somebody else was through the, through the alien, <laughs> there were some 
great notes. I mean, this movie immediately makes you remember how good the first one was. I, I just, mm-hmm. going into this film, I forgot how incredibly, how the incredible quality of the first film, how good it was. And I appreciated that, that it could remind me of that and live up to the standard that the first one set. Yeah. It hit a lot you of know the same why? tones. Yes, go ahead. Yeah, because the first, the first one hit home because it's about, you know, family. And this one is the Vin- same exact thing, right? It doesn't stray. Yeah, Vin Diesel would love this film. It's all about the family. <laughs> but as we go uh, through the rest of the film, and this is going to be my like my biggest note, my last note here. I thought it was absolutely masterful. Absolutely divine. How they were able to have all three conflicts with all three levels of interest crescendo at the exact mm-hmm. same time, have a couple of them intertwine incorporate a recall that sequence was absolutely the best part of the film without any question was the baby in the bathtub scene of the first film and i uh, my only regret was that it was about halfway through the film because nothing else could live through live to top that it was beautiful directed well edited and cut well tension you're not talking about about the last like final sequence no, I'm talking Which, about the middle sequence where the two are captured by the boat people, for lack of a better term, where oh, where the yeah. kid finds the dead body and then is being chased, where Emily mm-hmm. Blunt comes back with the groceries, all that stuff. That was very, very well done. I I was in complete awe and was glad to have yeah, a that's couple a good minutes point. to yeah. breathe. It was absolutely astounding afterwards and left me speechless. Yeah, and, and you know what I liked about the boat people? That was a nice little hint to kind of the uh, wider world that's out there, but yep. they didn't hang on it. They didn't like meet with the boat people chieftain. It was really quick. It was like, oh, there's there's rabid, you know, rapist boat people, um, and they've obviously created a, a system. Um, and yeah, that's it. Just just a little hint, you know, stuff like that. But yeah, I, I think that that, and then I, I suppose that that led almost directly into the last sequence i mean you have a little bit of breathing room when they get to the island but otherwise it's you know we're we're off you're right that. i do have one more note jamon hunsu how how does an, an academy award nominated actor yeah. who's that good get relegated to the guy who gets killed off screen he how? must be krasinski's friend or something he was like hey man can you come for like six hours and just shoot two scenes with us and die no i, I love it yeah i love his inclusion but he's such a great actor yeah. how did why is he always relegated to these roles i want to see him in a bigger role yeah, yeah. once again man the black guy dies first yeah only person that died in this movie it was it well, was him he certainly wasn't first there were a lot of deaths yeah. before him but i mean like um, uh, a character though hey we, i mean we're going to talk about inserting an actor into the movie cillian murphy we haven't talked a lot about it. he was great yeah he was great i i really uh enjoyed th- that character the reluctant guy who has to deal with this idealistic young girl one of my one of my main negative notes was that i wish that he and reagan the deaf girl would have had more conflict like it seemed like you know they had that going on at first but it could they could have had a thing like in in logan right where they're pretty much 
at odds the entire movie until the very, 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 very end. But um, this one, he he kind of it got it got cute too fast. I mean, like as soon as she woke up, he they were like buddies, and there wasn't very much conflict after that. And I would have liked for her to have like a big fu moment or him considering abandoning her, you know, stuff like that. I for, think that that could have been played up more. You're right. For me, my best performance of the of the film, surprising as it may be. Noah Jupe as Marcus Abbott. I thought he was tremendous. I thought the that pain, kid can act. I, I mean, he is so good, man. I Did agree. you see Honey Boy? Honey Boy, he was great. Oh, that's right. He was in Honey mm-hmm. Boy. He played Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, he's great. Wow, that kid has got some special stuff. It's a kid, yeah. and I enjoyed his performance. Enough said. You got a bright future, kid. I was going to say, man, that was the first thing I thought about in the movie. I was like, okay, we're going to have a child actor conversation here. But really, they're, I mean, they're... A little bit older. They are a little bit older. They're you know. playing young, but good for them. Tremendous. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, I think this is the probably the last time we are venturing out with this particular group of characters, especially in this close proximity. Maybe in 20 years when we're sequelizing everything, maybe yeah. they come back for, uh, for uh, a quiet general mm-hmm. area, a quiet prison. Maybe they'll go to prison. I don't know. And have to break <laughs> out, whatever it may be. Uh, but yeah, Quiet Place. Anything else that you needed to do before we get to our rankings, Gary? Man, um, I got to say, it, this isn't a deal breaker, but I was a little bit disappointed that Emily Blunt didn't have more to do. Yeah. Um, it, it's, I mean, she went on the back burner and, and the main adult in the movie was Cillian Murphy when she's like so powerful and awesome. I was going into it being like, is this going to be like 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 a groundbreaking movie where Emily Blunt gets like a, a nomination for being in A Quiet Place? Because she, I know that she was so good, you know, in the last one, but she kind of. You know, I mean, it, it all does come together and does balance very well, but she definitely didn't have the front seat that I thought she did. I mean, it was all about the girl, which is fine. Um, that's just something that I noticed that yeah, she gets, I thought could have been. Yeah. Yeah. She gives a very powerful performance for the limited time that she does get. Yeah. Uh, it it just seems less. I I've, I feel like Cillian gets the biggest role mm-hmm. here. Uh, and, and maybe that's unfair of me to, to put that on him. Um but yeah, uh, there, there we go. He, he definitely changes the most. Oh, and you know what else I have to say? I have one thing. Okay, last one. I I, I call upon AMC theaters to make a feature in their app where if there are people running up and down the stairs and throwing popcorn at each other behind me, I should be able to complain about them without having to leave the theater. I didn't leave the theater. They eventually left themselves. I don't even think that they belong there, but there was a group of like 10 kids just like ruining the whole first 20 minutes. And I was about to explode. My girlfriend had to be like, babe, it's fine. So that's, that's, we both had problems at our theater. I had a a noisy group of teenagers stomping up and down the hall anytime and the multiple times that they had to exit the theater for whatever reason that may be so did you and i see the seat at the same theater it sounds like the same thing I but know. yeah a quiet place is just that the movie could not be more transparent yeah. with the form of filmmaking it's going to take please for all that is holy it's different if it's space jam but if it's a quiet place yeah good lord be quiet these people have no respect for the cinema. They are playing around, running up and down stairs. It is disgusting. It is revolting. For uh, podcast emeritus Gary Boucher, but I, let me say, let me say my my ranking. 
Oh yes, we go please, here. please. Thank you so we much. We got a, a beautiful tangent there. Of course, I am actually going to give it um, a four and a half out of five. I like that it became an action movie. It was a good action movie. The only I just wish that there would have been more of a conflict and arc between those two main characters that I mentioned. But otherwise, not a lot of flaws. Really, really good. Great job, John. Great job with the cast. Yay. Absolutely. I'm going to give it a four out of five as well. Four yeah. out of five. Uh, what would that be? Uh, adhesive bandages that do stay. Four out of five of those. Uh, you could four four bear trap claws in the ankle. Ooh, out of the five. Thank yeah. God it didn't pierce. Didn't look like that to me, but it didn't <laughs> pierce. Uh, four out of five of those. Uh, for Gary, I am Philip M. Ryan, who cuts out intros and outros far too early. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to listen to all of our old podcasts. Uh, as well as our new podcast. If you want to hear more about bear traps and what have you, we are on pretty much everywhere you can find your podcasts, whether that be Apple, Spotify, pretty much everywhere except for Pandora, because screw you, Pandora. Run! Run!